It's a privilege to be here today. Let me open up by reading the scripture for today out of Romans, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 13, as we listen through verse 25. Listen now to this, the reading of God's holy word. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. The presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence of things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations according to what was said. So numerous shall your dependents be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of his wife Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. To God be the glory for this, his word for us today. Amen. As a pastor, one of the things I've learned early in life is to engage the children if you want them to understand what's going on in the adult message. And I've done that over the years by handing out little packs of Smarties to the kids during a children's message to get them engaged. So since you are a bunch of big kids, I want to start with a quiz and I'm going to hand out big Smarties today. All right? So you got to pay attention on this quiz and I'm going to walk around here because I need your help. All right? So these are all yes or no questions. All right? You got to follow along with me. Yes or no? This young man right here. Was I a student at this college? Were you? Uh, yes. Yes, I was. There you go. All right. Am I a relative of a current student on this campus? Yes, you are. Yes, I am. I am Liz Harrington's uncle. Yeah. Not who you're thinking about, was it? All right. Next question. Did I go to this school in this millennium or the last millennium? That's not a yes or no question. Okay. Did I go to school in this last millennium? Last millennium, not this one. Yes or no? Very good. I did. Yes. Was Cooper Hall one of the newer buildings when I was on campus as a freshman? No. Good answer. Gleason was, but not Cooper. Did Dennis Dutton and I... Graduate from this college at the same time? Yes, Yes, we did. (laughs) Very good. 
Those are the simple questions. But you know, one of the fun things about it is, 37 years ago when I was a freshman sitting in this auditorium, some things have changed, some things haven't changed. And one of the things that hasn't changed is I still don't like people telling me what to do. 37 years ago when I was a freshman here, I didn't like people telling me what to do. I was a college man. I was on my way up in the world. I didn't need people telling me what to do, even though they were my professors. So imagine what I felt like when I get this email saying, hey, would you come preach at chapel? We'd love to have you. And by the way, this is what you're going to preach on. And you can't talk about this too much because I'm going to talk about that too much. So how do you think I felt when Christian said, we'd love for you to come to speak, but here's what you're going to do. But do what you need to do. So I still kind of have that feeling that you have, even though I'm on my own and get to do what I want to do, we still have people telling us things to do, just like it was 37 years ago. I've been preaching for 25 years, and I figured up with all the funerals and the weddings and the special services, I've preached over 1,600 messages. I can preach with my eyes closed. I can preach with them open. I can preach with notes. I can preach without notes. You could give me a scripture, and I could probably preach better on that passage than I can today because when I opened up Romans chapter 4 and started looking at verses 13 through 25, and I read it several times, all I saw was a jumbled mess of words. As I read that to you today, you probably thought, what is the Apostle Paul saying? He jumps back and forth between law and faith, between history and present. And by the time I got done searching this thing over, and Christian gave me plenty of time, and I have been fretting over this message more than I have any other message in my life. Because I don't want to screw it up in front of you guys. But you look through all this passage, and you find yourself that we're caught here this morning in the same place as what Paul was writing in the book of Romans, between law and faith. Why are you here? I don't mean existentially, why are you here? I mean, why are you here in chapel this morning? Is it because of the law or the credit that has you here? I mean, the law says you have to be here a minimum of 14 times, right? When I was here, we didn't have that law. Chapel wasn't required. But let me tell you, it was also some of the lowest times in the history of this college. Why are you here this morning? You may think you're here because you're fulfilling a credit or you're following the law. But let me ask you this, or let me put this in your mind. You are probably here because God stirred your heart to be here. Yeah, you think this is one of the 14 you need. But for some reason, God stirred you to be here today. To hear what God has to say for you. So as I have read over this passage countless times, the only thing that keeps me excited about this is the fact of Abraham's life of faith and the gratitude that he had towards the end of his life. I said earlier uh, that Paul, you know, as I I consider Paul writing this book, and I always talk about Paul as a craftsman of words. Paul puts together words in a very powerful, exciting way. And as you read this passage, let me just share some of the words he's crafted that that if you study them and you think about them, it's really exciting. Paul talks about the righteousness of faith, that the promise may rest on grace, hoping against hope. 
How do you hope against hope? He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And we think about these passages. Each one of those phrases can make a great sermon in themselves, but when you put them all together and you look at this passage, it's more than a good sermon. It's a great message of excitement for us even this morning. If you haven't taken time or know the story of Abraham and his life, I encourage you to go back into Genesis and read about Abraham. Read about his life. Read about what Paul is talking about. Think of this. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's mind when God says to him, at 75... I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. I was 43 when our last child was born, and I didn't know whether to be excited or scared to death. Can you imagine at 75, God saying, hey, guess what? You're going to be a dad for the first time. Not a bad promise. Starting a family at 75, getting a new land, becoming a leader of a number of nations that's going to have so many descendants, it even rivals the stars in the skies. And God says, I'm going to put you in a land that I promise for you and your descendants. But think about this. Abraham had to wait. After 13 years of this promise not being fulfilled, he took matters into his own hands thinking this is what God really wanted. And it wasn't. It wasn't the child that God had prepared. So Abraham had to wait another 12 to 13 more years for this child to be born. Now, mind you guys, he's nearing 100 years of age and his wife's almost 91. Men, 100 years of age and he becomes a dad. Ladies, you talk about the ultimate dad bod at 100. Not the image that we think of today. Abraham never gave up that faith that God would provide. But when he finally became the father of Isaac at 100... God was not done teaching him about faith. Thirteen years after Isaac's birth, God called him to sacrifice his son on the mount. Can you imagine the conversation between Abraham and his son Isaac as they walked up the mountain carrying the elements they needed for the sacrifice and the son probably turned to the father and says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And the whole time Abraham knew that his son was the sacrifice. The faith of walking up the mountain knowing that God would provide in the midst of whatever happened in his life. As his son asked him, Abraham said these words, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Faith. Faith that only comes through relationship. Faith that only can come through a relationship with God. Abraham had a trust in God through their relationship that he would provide the sacrifice. As he promised to him 38 years ago, this promise started. And you know the story. When they got to the top of the mountain, there was a ram caught in the thicket. God provides a ram in the thicket for you when you think, There is no hope for anything else. God always provides you a ram in the thicket. 
Earlier in the fourth chapter of Romans, it says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. You understand that word righteousness? It's a word that's always thrown me in life because I thought the word righteousness meant you had to be perfect. You had to be this saint that could do anything and there was never a blemish in your life. There was never a problem in your life. You were righteous. But I've come to learn in life that righteousness or righteous is not any of that. It's being in the right relationship. I've taught my church to understand the word righteousness to change that with the terminology of right relationship. So a right relationship in faith. Look at the great stories of faith in the Bible. The one thing they have in common is an unbelievable relationship in faith. In faith, Casting Crowns has out a song. It's entitled The Voice of Truth. If you ever listen to the song, you know, it starts out, Oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith to step out of the boat I'm in onto the crashing waves. Think of Peter and the right relationship with he had with God to step out of a boat into water. To stand there with Jesus. Or the second course it says, or the, oh, what I would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant with just a sling and a stone. While the rest of the army was quivering, David, as young as he was, had a right relationship with God that he could take a small stone and a small sling and go to fight the giant that quivered a whole army. Stories of a right relationship with God that built the kind of faith and trust to do all things. Since my days here on campus, I've learned and realized that it's a lot more about a right relationship. How you are with God will make a difference in every relationship that you will be in. Right now you're sitting there disagreeing with me or thinking, yeah, he's not really sure. i am got it all. I'm here doing all kinds of things. But you know what? The older you get, the more you'll realize the relationship you have with God begins and builds and strengthens every other relationship you will ever have. One of the phrases I wanted to mention today is found in verse 18. Paul talks of Abraham hoping against hope. At 55, I understand that just a little bit more of what it means to hope against all hope. Literally, for Abraham, there was no hope to be a father. Even if he was able to, his wife was barren and she was 90 years of age. I have a 12-year-old son at home. And every time my wife and I hug in the kitchen, it freaks him out. Can you imagine what he would think about his dad at 100 and his mom at 90? Becoming parents again? Hoping is called hope. Medicine said it's impossible. And this was before the little blue pill. The medical world said this is not possible. The body said this is not possible. Everything said this is not possible except for God. And God said it is possible. Hoping 
that relationship that Abraham had with God was hoping beyond all of the impossible to know that God would do what God said he would do. You've heard stories on faith all the time, right? Does anybody tell you how to grow your faith? We play little games and little tricks. You know, I'll stand here. You guys get behind me. I'll close my eyes and I'll fall backwards. And I have faith. You'll catch me, right? We play all those things. But do you know how to truly build faith? Has anybody taught you how to build your faith? I've questioned it and wondered for a lot of years. Faith is the thing a person wants more and more but is unwilling to do what it takes to get it done. Any golfers in here today? I know you got to golf. There's our golfers. Oh, they're all sitting together. Nice. Okay. Do you know of anybody who golfs that says, I want to go out tomorrow and do worse than I did today? I want to go out. Every time I go out, I want to get worse and worse and worse. Luke, when you were teaching golf, you were coaching golf. You never said, go out and be worse today than you were. You want everybody to get better, right? Do you know that of all the people in the United States that play golf, only eight percent are willing to take a lesson to get better that means 92 percent of the people who play golf that want to get better do nothing to try and get better we just try to muffle and, and, and work along on our own ability so today i'm going to give you a free lesson not about golf if you've seen me golf you don't want a lesson for me actually it's paul who's giving you the, the free lesson i'm just passing it on Here's how you grow your faith. You grow your faith by being in relationship with God. And you move to that right relationship when you follow the example of Abraham. Verse 20 tells us that Abraham grew stronger in his faith as he gave glory to God. Being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Okay, so God may not have given you the great promise that he did to Abraham or even a small promise, but that's not the lesson. The lesson is to grow your faith as you begin to give glory to God for everything in your life. Begin to have more gratitude in your life. Gratitude for God being God. Yesterday, I sat with my covenant group of pastors. We're an accountability group. We meet once a month, and we pray with each other, and we talk about things. And we we find out in all these years of ministry, from 25 years to 40 years, what have we learned? What can we pass on? And yesterday was kind of a bittersweet time because one of the guys announced he's going to retire in February, and we were all kind of like, oh, man, I got 15 more years. It's not fair. But we talked about what have we learned throughout the years? What has got us through? What has moved us along in ministry? What can we pass on to the next generation? What we've learned is to be more grateful each day. Not only for the blessing of the day, but for the gifts that God gives us. You're sitting in a place in your life right now where you think you've got it all. You may be out for sports, you may be in the theater, you may be in music, you may be just hanging out on college, you got nobody telling you what to do, you're here because you have to, you're here because hopefully President Rich will see you and think you're a lot better person for being here. 
You're here to meet the new girls because this is the best place to meet the freshmen. At least it was when I was here. You think you're here for a lot of different reasons. But the main reason you're here should be to build your relationship with God. Do you ever take time in your prayer life just to thank God? Don't ask for anything. Prayer is not a wish list. Don't gimme, gimme, gimme. Just take five minutes one day and pray nothing but thanksgiving unto God. That's how you build your faith. When you realize that what you have, who you are, is all because of God and nothing because of yourself. Abraham, one hundred years old, hoping against all hope, knew it was nothing about him or his wife that would give him the opportunity to be a father of a great nation. Find out in your life what God gives you that makes you smile. Build on that. We have a new theologian in our midst. Did you know that? The latest person to come out urging you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody here on the radio this morning? Justin Bieber. I wouldn't quite put him in the category of a theologian. But he's come out and calls himself a follower of Christ and says that he wants others to be in a relationship with Jesus. For what are right or wrong with him, he's made a statement that I want to make to you as well. You want to grow your faith? You want to be able to hope against all hope? You want to be able to do the impossible? Build your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Thank God every day. Grow in the grace and the mercy. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself doing the impossible. Pretty soon you'll be looking back and saying, I never thought that could ever happen. A righteousness of faith is being in a right relationship with God. And that grows when you give glory to God each day for the gifts He's given to you. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, thank you so much for the opportunity for me to be here. The privilege to share with such an exciting group that's got the world before them. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would guide their path, that you would protect them in life. Lord, this campus is about relationships. It's about building relationships. It's about nurturing relationships. It's about finding relationships. But I pray that you stir the hearts of these young men and women, that the most important relationship they build upon this day is a relationship with you. Encourage them. Give them great ability. Give them great knowledge. Give them great playtime and excitement in life. 
but give them a clear picture of how much you love them. Father, we pray these things all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.